Welcome to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint. Now, let's meet our hosts. Hey, everybody. I'm Dana Crawford. And I'm Wayne Jordan. In today's episode number 30, we've hit a milestone. Really? 30 episodes? Yes. Who knew? I mean, when we started this, my hope was that it would go on for hundreds of episodes, but there's always that little nagging thought in the back of your mind going, oh, is this really going to work? But I'm pleased to say that people are tuning in and listening and sending us emails and messages and leaving us reviews, and and I'm glad. So, yes, as we say up here in the hills of Virginia, y'all folks just keep them coming on in now, you hear? <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. It's been an awesome adventure, and today we're talking about vintage posters. Oh, I knew we'd get around to this one sooner or later because yes. it's it's a great topic to talk about. And from what I've seen uh, on your uh, eBay store lately, uh, you've been doing uh, a fair amount of listing posters. Yes, so. I have been busy bee listing away. Uh, I had my my concert apparel man from mm-hmm. episode number one. Right, he actually sent me a new box and it had posters in it. Tell what? How many? What kind? Oh, I, I'm not even through them all, and there's some that I'm not familiar with. There's some bands. I'll have to actually reach out to you and see if you've heard of any of those. Uh, well, you know, I'm an old hippie, so I know lots of those old bands. You and my husband. Mm-hmm. And um, he sent this new box, and I had a lot of fun researching them, and the odd thing was I couldn't find some of them at all. There's uh, Grateful Dead, Europe, 1990. Okay. And I could find Grateful Dead, 1990, Europe, but come to find out, they toured at different stops throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. So the one that I have says Stockholm. Right. And I had a heck of a time finding anything with Stockholm on it. And then finally, um, I found this website called psychedelicart.com. Hmm. I've never been to that one. No, I usually, I usually visit psychiatric art. <laughs> I should check there, Wayne. I bet I could find some of the acid posters. Oh, yeah. There's psychiatric <laughs> art. There's crazy stuff posted there. <laughs> Well, the good news was they had the poster, but they do not reveal the price it sold for. Oh. So, you can't even subscribe, and you can't even look at it. And, I mean, it was very depressing, because, right. of course, if I had it at WorthPoint, I would be able to review all of the details. So. Right. The only thing I could look at is the actual poster itself and the dimensions and mm-hmm. a little bit that I could review on it or or research on it was the fact that it was scarce, which was a word I liked. Right. <laughs> so based on that, um, I found other Europe posters on eBay and mm-hmm. on WorthPoint. 
And it looked like the highest current one was asking like 1600 mm-hmm. and it was for a different town in Europe that wasn't as scarce. Right. Long story short, I put mine up for $6,000. Wow. Which I know is ridiculous. And I put no offer. No offer? No offer. So this is my new strategy. Not to sell anything, right? (laughs) Not to sell anything. So I call it take it out for a spin strategy. Right. So I'm listing it high, and then I'm going to wait and for the deadheads. Mm -hmm. So the deadheads, the collectors, they'll start telling me how crazy I am. And finally, someone will come along. Now, with this strategy, I also found a clash poster from the mm-hmm. clash right you remember them yeah what was that um brock the casbah yes <laughs> that's it rock the casbah boy that's that's uh that's an oldie yes solid lead <laughs> so the clash i found on worth point it was about 300 I found 400. So I listed mine at 700 mm-hmm. and I sold it within a couple hours. Crazy. What, what, really? A couple of hours? Yes. Wow. So a lot of people have problems pushing price boundaries when they list things. They're afraid it won't sell. Right. So what words of encouragement can you give people to just Throw caution to the wind or, or build the, build on the strategy that you've mentioned. How can people get more money for what they're selling? What's the best way to go about that? I love a challenge, and I love to challenge myself to get the highest dollar. Especially what I love is searching on WorthPoint and the highest price the highest sold ones are mine. So my goal is always to be the highest sold on worth point. Mm-hmm. So that's how I start my adventure with trying to make the most amount of money. And as a consignment right. seller, I'm only getting half of that. Right. If it's over a thousand, of course, then I get 35%. Right. So my goal is to get the highest dollar, which I'm sure is everybody's goal. They want to make the most amount of money possible. But sometimes we cut ourselves short because we're in too much of a hurry. Right. And you don't want to be in a hurry. And sometimes you have to reach for the stars, price it high, and don't settle. Right. Because you will get people that say, oh, you're crazy. That's only worth X amount of dollars. Can I send you an offer? Can you send me an offer? <laughs> and right. I've just, I've had that experience because right now, because I'm down to the last high, very high end ham radio that right. we talked about last time. Right. And I'm getting it left and right. People are calling me crazy and everything on that. Mm. <laughs> but you just have to hang in there and it's all about your research. Now, when I'm researching something, I spend so much time on it and energy, and then I price it right away. I don't mess around and come back to it next week. Right. I feel that you, you're putting all this time and energy into something. You're pricing it or you're researching it. List the damn thing. Don't right. put it in a pile right. and come back to it next week and start the process all over again. Right. So I think it's important to 
get the job done, get it listed. And the downfall of that, downfall of that is next week, somebody will come to me and say, why did you, why did you price it like that? Well, I don't know. I don't remember. (laughs) Well, do you feel obligated to give them uh, an explanation of why you price things the way you do? Sometimes it's so intense with your research that you can't remember. I mean, I'm old. I can't remember, you know, how I I came about with that price, but I know I had a really good strategy and it was intense. And then soon as I listed it and I got my price, then I moved on to the next item and it starts the process all over again. Right. And they all kind of jumble together and you don't know how you decided what price to put on which item. Well, when you first start, it's a guessing game. To, right. to decide and it's about the, the current market trend and sure. it's, it's a combination of there is no one size fits all. Right. Bottom line. Now, when you list these, you list them as fixed price, make an offer. Is that your go-to pricing strategy, listing strategy? No, not necessarily because I had the birds. It's a, it was a birds Fleetwood Mac tour mm-hmm. and they were kind of common. There was mm-hmm. there was um, quite a few available, and there's a lot of reprints, which we'll mm-hmm. go into reprints, right. but right. there was a lot of reprints. And so I finally threw in the towel and started at $0.99 cents auction. Wow. Because it could be $40. It could right. be $180. Right. It didn't seem like they were going more than 200 Right. So, and because there were so many on, Mm -hmm. I decided to just go with the auction. Okay. This is a good place to stop for a word from our sponsor, and we will be right back. Hey, eBay sellers. It pays to know what you've got and what it's worth. That's why you need WorthPoint. WorthPoint.com is the world's largest resource for pricing antiques and collectibles with millions of items, photos, and sold for prices. With their free mobile app for iPhone and Android, you can carry the power of WorthPoint right in your pocket, wherever you go. For a 7-day, 7-look-up free trial, go to WorthPoint.com. And we're back. Dana Crawford, yours truly, Wayne Jordan, and we're talking about flipping vintage posters. So when you're going through the stack of posters, how do you evaluate them? What's, What's your process for, for not for pricing or listing, but for looking at the poster and evaluating the poster, what it is, is it authentic? Is it a reproduction? Right. How, how do you go about doing that? You know, it's interesting that you say that because the Stockholm Grateful Dead one threw me for a loop because it's a very large poster. The graphics look a little blurry. Really? And so I was like, is this a reprint? You know, what's up with this? And then after, um, when I was having my doubts, the tube that it came in mm-hmm. actually came from Sweden. Wow. So, so I knew, you know, by the, the way that the tube was and the way, because it, it's so mint and it's so white. Right. But the guy just left it in there is, is why. But... After I did more research, I found out that that was a silk screen. The original was a silk screen that they made the posters to advertise the concert with. Right. And so they were all like that. Didn't matter which which country or excuse me, which 
location, which city they played in. All of the posters were like that. And that could be one of the reasons why they're rare and there aren't a lot of uh, reprints of that, is it was a little bit fuzzy because they wouldn't reprint one because you can't improve on, on the quality of the original. It's just like photography. That's right. So that was an interesting story, but I got to tell you, Wayne, people overlook when you go into a thrift store or a garage sale or whatever, there are tubes in the corner right. <laughs> of posters. Right. And it's worth taking your time, but how would you go about identifying? Well, this past weekend, I, I did a little spur of the moment picking. Uh, I was with family and friends, and there was an antique store there. So we went in, and the antique mall, actually. We went and started looking around. And I saw a poster for a 1968 Janis Joplin concert. And it was one of the the old-type posters that was tricolor, mostly yellow in the middle, you know, very very promotional uh, kind of poster that you see on walls and telephone poles and kiosks, that sort of thing. And I looked at it, and usually I carry some picking tools with me when I'm going out on purpose. But like in in the case of the posters, it would have been handy to have a jeweler's loop or a magnifying glass and a and a tape measure, that, that sort of thing, to evaluate what's there. But I didn't have anything like that with me. So I looked at the poster, and I felt the paper, and it felt right. It was about the same size, or about the right size for for a poster like that. And I I couldn't get close enough to see if it was a reproduction or not. I couldn't magnify it. to When you're looking at any kind of prints, if you look through a magnifying glass or jeweler's loop and magnify it a lot, if it's modern uh, printing, you'll Mm -hmm. see it pixelated. Because it's done on something very similar to uh, an inkjet printer. It's made up of little dots, and you can see the little dots. Sure. If it's lithography, uh, which is what most of the the older posters will have been, if it's the the print process called lithography, not going to be that way. It's going to be solid colors because that's the way they apply the color to the paper. And I'm looking at it and I, I'm not sure what it is. So I look for other clues in the same way you looked for, the found a clue on the tube that mm-hmm. said it was from Sweden. I started looking for other clues. And at the bottom of the poster and left, left-hand side of the bottom, listed the name of the printing company, the city they were in, their phone number, and their fax number. And I thought, now, wait a minute, this is a 1968 concert. They didn't have faxes in 1960. <laughs> I mean, they had them because in, in the early 60s, the, the process for telephonic faxing mm-hmm. was already in place. But even through the 70s, a fax machine cost 20 grand. Yeah. Uh, so it's, they were not in common use. Small businesses, printing businesses, uh, they didn't have them for home use. I mean, it was just that sort of thing didn't start until the late 80s. Mm-hmm. So I looked and said, okay, there's a fax machine number, and it's a 1968 poster. It is not an original. It's a reprint. Mm-hmm. It might be an older reprint because mm-hmm. if it had been something newer, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't have had a fax number. It would have had a web address. Mm-hmm. So, But it's clues like that that can help you decide whether something's authentic or not. 
Yeah, that's that's a good one. I know I sold a lot of um, blacklight posters, mm-hmm. and I actually still have a couple listed in my store. And those were reprinted like crazy. The blacklight posters with the crazy skeleton skulls and I don't know, almost demonic kind of <laughs> looking posters. But it's it's challenging to tell the difference. But I could tell the difference by the the date at the bottom, of course, would be dated, but they would have a bit of a, is that word patina? Right. To them. Right. It is. That would be kind of tough to, to duplicate, do you think? Well, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so some of them too, you can tell by the backs are, are yellowing in a certain way. And the black light fuzz the fuzz that's on those um, velvet posters. Right. The older ones, when you unroll them, I had a Beatles one that had, when you unrolled it, the fuzz texture just rolled up, rolled off of it. And it was a gold metallic. I can remember my boyfriend actually having that in his house or his apartment. That was a, a good one, but they're, Again, common. Some of those are some of those black light posters are common and easy to find. The other thing was this guy had, which surprised me. I didn't expect after seeing all these rock and roll posters, was he had some movie posters, and one of them that is quite valuable, except not his, unfortunately. <laughs> but it was the Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And if you have one of those originals that hung in the movie theater, oh my goodness. Right. Right. Yeah. I was uh, doing some research on Worth Point. One of my writers there wrote an article on collecting vintage movie posters. The horror genre generally is very popular, and originals of those posters are hard to find. So uh, there's a, on, on Worth Point, I found a, an eBay listing of the old dark house. It was a Boris Karloff Ooh. horror show from 1932. It sold about 10 years ago for $950,000. What? So, yes, $950,000. Uh, of course, that's that's an outlier. I mean, that's one of those ridiculously... Uh, high-priced items, but it gives you the gist of what these old horror posters can go for, especially if they're authentic. Mm -hmm. And there are ways of telling whether it's authentic. And there are so many different types of posters that getting into the fine details of how to identify authentic posters would just, it would, we'd be here all day listing them off and no one, people would get bored and and turn this out. You can go to uh, worthpoint.com to the articles section under the blog menu and just look them up. And mm-hmm. this is free access. You don't need a WorthPoint subscription to do it. And it will give you some of the details about how to identify original posters. Uh, I wrote a similar article for WorthPoint years ago about collecting travel posters. And oh. You know, five ways to identify collectible travel posters. But there are so many types of posters. I mean, there are advertising posters and travel posters and 
concert posters, which I guess would fall fall under the heading of advertising. There's so many different types, and they're all identifiable by their size and the thickness of the paper. Yes. That's, that's an important consideration because posters that are made for hanging on bedroom walls mm-hmm. are relatively thin. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're standard size. They're glossy as opposed to something like the Janis Joplin concert poster that I looked at. Posters like that were posted indoors, outdoors, on telephone poles and walls and kiosks and uh, inside of uh, theaters and public places. The paper had to be thicker because you're putting them in all kinds of different places. So the paper had to be thicker. They were fairly standard sizes. Generally speaking, authentic concert posters of that type are going to be larger than the reproductions. The reproductions will make adjustments in in size and print them in bulk. Those are Mm -hmm. any kind of posters printed in bulk are in the art world. Those would be called open editions where they just print them until people aren't buying them anymore. Yeah. And then they stop printing them and they go on to something else. But, of course, authentic posters are in limited quantities because this stuff is falls under the general heading of ephemera. They were not made to last a long time. They were made to be used a short period of time, and then off they go to the dumpster mm-hmm. or uh, the landfill or whatever. And that's where most of them ended up. But some folks that went to the concert or a fan of the particular person, or, or in the case of travel posters, if someone has traveled to a particular location, mm-hmm. they might be attracted to posters of that location, or if they are a fan of a particular type of travel, like airplanes or trains or cruise ships or something, they they might collect those. Uh, or if it's a particular activity, like if they're golfers or surfers or tennis players or something, all of those things will uh, go together. So if you have a poster that is about uh, airplane travel to Hawaii and it shows a surfer, well, then you're going to hit on three reasons to uh, three different audiences for collecting that poster, and that's going to drive the, the price up, especially if it's authentic. Okay, that brings us to the close of episode 30. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as we enjoyed talking about it. Dana, it's been a pleasure. Have a good weekend. Thanks, you too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Flip It or Skip It, brought to you by WorthPoint.com, the world's largest antiques and collectibles pricing and research database. Buy right, sell right, and profit more with WorthPoint.com.